You're listening to Once, episode 163, The Apprentice. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. We're happy to have you joining us. We're discussing this episode, The Apprentice, the fourth episode of season four. And thank you for sending in your great feedback. We've got some great things to dig through in this. So let's just jump right in. And we're going to do somewhere a hybrid of the formats that we've been experimenting with over the last couple episodes but it starts out with this scene that i absolutely love i think it was the best scene in the episode was this opening (laughs) scene a long time ago and this is zoso while he still has the dagger and that's really important because i think i'm wondering rather if maybe the duke got the dagger as part of Zoso trying to free himself of the power of the dagger. No, you're thinking of the chalice in the palace. Uh, I don't know that story. Oh, okay. Um, well, you thought this was the best scene. I thought it was just Zoso. <laughs> oh, boy. You must have been holding on to that one for a while. Um, several seconds, at least. It was very Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade-esque. Was it? Well, because here's this this round thing and an old guy protecting it with a sword. (laughs) Uh, There was definitely crumbly brick. He wouldn't have to sweep so much if maybe he would keep the walls in repair. Yeah. Do you think that they were damaged in attacks and he just never fixed them, even though maybe magic could be a thing or was the place (laughs) just old? I think it's just old. It's apparently buried under his little shack at the bottom of the mountain. Maybe even constructed there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was confused about until right this second. Oh. <laughs> like where that was. It's what my then, basement looks like. Yeah, totally. And he, it could have been from an attack, like Jeremy was saying, just because he did say later that every dark one had tried. Yeah. Which so. makes me wonder how many dark ones have there been? Point This time, he, he should have thrown Zoso through like the last remaining wall that didn't have a hole in it. He could have been like, that's where I threw that dark one, and that's where I threw that one. <laughs> this one's got your name on it. Look, I carved it right there. How many had there been? Yeah. Uh, because he said every dark wall. one before you, that, or he said every dark one has tried that doesn't give me the impression that there was only one other dark one before Zoso. So we know Zoso was not the first dark one. Right. And Rumple is at this point, the last dark one that we know might've been cool to show yet an older dark one. I wonder yeah. if we're going to get, and this would be really cool. Some kind of backstory to the dark one as, as a being and like, what happens is a dread pirate Roberts kind of thing that's just passed on and on and on and on and on. And the original dark one was from thousands of thousands of years ago, or maybe did the sorcerer, whoever that is probably Yen said, did the sorcerer create the dark one? <laughs> well, see, that would actually make more sense because why would every dark one try? It's not like as Zoso was dying, he was like, 
Oh, and there's this hat. Like, that didn't work out for me, but every Dark One tries to get this thing, because then you won't have to end like me, so definitely go get that hat. So why would every Dark One try? They just, over time, every one of them finds out about this one thing and tries to get it. It would make more sense if they, if there's some tie. I guess it would make more sense. I still don't know how he'd know, but... It makes sense that they would try and get it because it's the only thing, right? Like, it's their only weakness is that they're under the control of this dagger. Right. And this, this I'm getting, well, at least they assume this hat is going to change that. So it would make sense that they're after the hat, but it, yeah, how they all find, they seem to know a lot of stuff that they have no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Those dark ones. And everyone on Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Potentially. The um the purposeful ambiguity in this scene is a little frustrating. The a long time ago in the credits was oh. kind of to me like I'm pretty sure earlier this season they did a very long time ago. So this would have been like a very, 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 very long time ago. It's almost as if it's in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I always want to say that. I get why they're doing that because we've dissected every single time they've given us a number of years. We probably have a better timeline than they do. Yeah. So <laughs> and that's they're why. just going to leave it up to us. They're like, we kind of know when this was. You guys put it on the map if you want to. Oncepodcast.com <laughs> slash timeline. <laughs> so the apprentice dude said, you don't want to know what you'll unleash if you open that box. What the heck does that mean? Does that, does, here's, here's my first question. Does that mean anything or was it just insert ominous dialogue here? I feel like that means all magic comes with a price, and that <laughs> box has a lot of magic in it. Maybe. Uh, because, first of all, it implies that the Dark One does not know what he's actually getting in that box, which doesn't make a super high amount of sense. And number two, I mean, it makes it sound terrible, and it's sort of like, why are you even trying? But then we've seen it open multiple times before and after, and it's like, oh, there's a hat. It's kind of though like the the same effect that Rumpelstiltskin was using on Hook later in the episode where he's like, you don't know what's going to happen if you put your hand back on. It's kind of like that, the notion that if someone thinks something, even even with Rumpel in the past where he had the prophecy, right? When people think certain things, it can make them act in ways that make things happen that might not have happened. Whoa. Had they not been thinking that way. <laughs> right. Uh, I, scary thing is, I think I followed you. Foretelling the future makes the future happen, basically. Yes. So do you think that that's just... Because uh, the hand thing was apparently not true. So does that mean that was just well, something the apprentice don't. said or something the apprentice believed? Well, it could be actually true. But the bad thing, basically, is a dark one under no accountability or control. Mm-hmm. But then... The dark one doesn't care. Yeah. The dark one takes what it wants. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but if they follow the rules for the, that they've established about magic, if he uses that hat to give himself no accountability, there's going to be a price. And it's going to be a price comparable to the to what he's getting out of it. Well, is the price being paid by every magical being that the hat absorbs? Like some sort or of absorbaloff. Yeah, is <laughs> like is the hat collecting the price and that price being magic of other people so that it's just recycling magic and not necessarily creating new magic or doing something new. It's using 
the magic from everyone else, combining it, putting it out there, and changing things. And so maybe the price has already been paid. No. I had to get that in because that was (laughs) so-so. That would go like that idea of recycling magic would go with what Rumpelstiltskin said in an earlier episode this season that magic can't be destroyed. It can just change forms. Yeah. Actually, it was you have to choose a different path. That was so. <laughs> that was already <laughs> been paid. Um, was Rumpel. Mm. Cora thought magic could be destroyed or rather could evaporate. But magic can't be destroyed. It can only change forms. We learned that in the last so episode. So they've declared to us recently. Yeah. Another law of magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All magic comes with a price. And once the magic is there, it can't be destroyed. Only changes forms. So it's like energy. But how, so how is it created if it can't, like, is it, is all the magic that was ever present in the world ever just constantly in like a cycle of changing form? (laughs) Pixie dust, maybe that was the original magic. (laughs) It's like water. Or maybe blue fairy is the origin of all magic. The original magic. Maybe. She doesn't live up to that. So we now have an even older character, debatably older or younger than Blue Fairy, because we heard Blue Fairy called the original magic. But now we know that this uh, guardian, this apprentice, has been guarding this box for thousands of years. It was thousands of years ago that the sorcerer, whoever that is, if we'll ever meet him, made this box and he's been guarding it ever since then so that makes this character thousands of years old he's now the oldest character on the show and super Mm -hmm. boring because all he does is sweep unless blue fairy is actually older than he is Hmm. so blue fairy could still be older and that would make her thousands of years old they all look very good for their age they do it's amazing well when the choice is how you look versus decayed yes (laughs) they all definitely do i loved uh, as i mentioned in the initial reaction seeing the contract that rumple had because it'd been so long since we saw a rumple contract and i was thinking there was one other episode where we had seen a rumple contract beside the episode the print the price of gold Mm -hmm. and that other episode was the miller's daughter he had a contract when he was talking to young cora and now we've got another printed contract he's made all of these deals yes here and there but it's always neat to see rumple with his little contract and the nice little flair that he does as he pulls the contract out and yet nobody has ever read the contract before (laughs) signing it yeah this is not your standard terms of service you really need to read a rumplestiltskin contract yeah always read the contract read anything before you sign it when Anna goes to meet the apprentice. He's sweeping again. I'm sure that when we meet him in Storybrooke later, he was also sweeping before Rumple and Hook got there. Every time then we've seen him, probably, he was sweeping. He is the Sorcerer's Apprentice. A nice nod to the Disney uh, version with Yun Sid and Mickey Mouse. And he gets turned into a mouse, which was mouse. probably... The most exciting thing that's happened to him in the last several hundred years, let's be honest. (laughs) I don't know. Those biscuits looked pretty delicious. (laughs) 
He's trying a new recipe. This time it's with flour. <laughs> this time. <laughs> Not babies. <laughs> but I wondered while he was sweeping there, it just seemed like he was occupying himself intentionally not looking at Anna as if maybe he knew the conflict that she was facing. Nah, it was writing. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the broom is special. That's why he has to sweep with it all the time. Yeah, maybe it's his source of magic. Could be. It's disguised. If I have ever seen that Mickey Mouse movie, is it called The Sorcerer's Apprentice? It's a part of Fantasia. Okay, if I have ever seen that, I was very, very young, so I have no context uh, in that sense. But I do know in, and I know I always bring up this TV show, but in the TV show Charmed, there was um, this kind of where they kind of debunked the myths of witchcraft and how, you know, the pointy hat meant this and the broom was actually to like sweep away evil if you swept it north to south or some specific direction. So they actually used it in this episode of Charm to make like a protective circle around them by using the broom. So I just wonder if I wonder if there's any actual kind of historical myth about that and whether they could perhaps be using that and drawing on that to come to bring it into this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that could be something with that. I think cats believe it. And by the way, the way that, just in case you haven't seen it, the way that Fantasia works is Fantasia is basically a visual masterpiece set to music where they try to tell a story based on classical music. And so there's a spot that is based on the original classical music, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and it's Mickey Mouse and this sorcerer, Yen Sid, and he's doing all this magic stuff. He makes this thing that looks like these two bright yellow eyes with this purple haze and then he turns it into a butterfly and it poofs away and he's doing this all while he's wearing a hat and then because magic makes yen said sleepy he takes the hat off goes to bed <laughs> and mickey mouse is sweeping this area he's the apprentice this Maybe whole time it was just, just cleaning night time haven't you ever gotten creative right before bedtime <laughs> and, well yeah that's true and then when the sorcerer leaves, Mickey goes and puts the hat on because Mickey doesn't want to sweep and move these buckets of water. And then Mickey and starts who does Mickey starts commanding the broom to walk and to get the buckets of water. But Mickey falls asleep and the broom just keeps getting these buckets of water. It floods this room. Mickey can't stop it. Mickey ends up breaking the broom, which makes a bunch of other smaller brooms. It's kind of like worms. And then they flood the place even more. The sorcerer comes down, stops all of this, takes the hat away from Mickey. Spoilers. Aww. Yeah. Poor Mickey. It's, a, it's actually a metaphor for employment and management. <laughs> it's very much like that. Your hat will get taken away if you abuse it. They just won't st- you tell them to do something, they just won't stop unless you tell them to stop. And then if you break them, there's just more. So it was very fitting, I think, that The Apprentice was turned into a mouse. <laughs> Temporarily. Yeah. Yes. But a mouse with a mission. Yeah, he still protected that. He's pretty stealthy. He was. Jumped down, bit him on the hand. Good job, mouse. I mean, Apprentice. <laughs> then he got to go back to being an old man. Yay! Do you guys think that Rumpelstiltskin first like saw that coming? 
I like I just love how he acts so surprised all the time. Like, oh, you didn't put the the poison in the tea or whatever. <laughs> like he doesn't know that she wouldn't have done that. Oh, good. Then he'll live. Um, and then. But it makes me wonder whether he knew how this whole thing would play out before it happened. Whether he knew about Anna getting the dagger, which I doubt because I don't think he would have let that happen, but... It's probably more of a backup plan, but it could be either way. I just thought it was funny that she stopped and said, wait, what? Because they did that a lot in Frozen. Wait, what? 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 Yeah. <laughs> and you can watch that video to see all of these scenes if you don't know them by memory. We'll have them in the show notes for this episode at onespodcast.com slash 163. So we know now that love is weakness. Love is strength. Love is an open door. Love is a disease. <laughs> a disease, yeah. And it's the also... The most powerful magic of all. A weapon of all things. Rumpelstiltskin oh, really has a distorted perspective of love. All or he did does. or does or getting confused a little bit, really. I think he hasn't changed, so I guess does. Is this the first time we've seen Rumpelstiltskin use the tear of somebody as power? We've seen him use, well, chronologically, yes, but we saw him use the tear from Mary Margaret in Storybrooke when they wanted to be able to see Regina when Greg and Tamara had regina and we're torturing her that's when rumpelstiltskin had used a tear from mary margaret so mary margaret could see from regina's perspective to figure out where she was oh right okay yeah i just um that was an interesting because we're we're seeing different concepts of love but the only kind of form we've seen love in is true love's kiss and the kind of purple bottle that he made out of snow and charming's hairs So just uh, the tear thing is interesting because in the Snow Queen fairy tale, the tear of the little girl who had been looking for her friend Kay for the whole fairy tale actually is what melted his heart in the end. Spoiler alert. Hmm. So I thought that was whether they're setting us up for that or whether that was just kind of coincidence. um, It made me think of the original fairy tale. Oh, and the chat room is pointing this out right now, too. He That tear that he used for Mary Margaret, he mixed it with Regina's tear. And they even asked him, how'd you get a tear from Regina? And he basically wouldn't answer. So, yeah, he has used tears before. She cries a lot. I don't think it would really be that hard no. to get a tear. <laughs> it, uh, we, there's precedent, at least, but it was getting a little bit like peeling a mystery onion it's like okay so there's an enchantment so apparently each dark one learns about the apprentice in the box but not the enchantment protecting it or maybe the apprentice is just getting old and has always defeated the dark one apparently with a sword which i doubt i don't know but zoso was pretty surprised about the enchantment but nothing else in the whole room and so now suddenly rumple's got this whole complicated thing where he's like uh well the enchantment has can only be defeated by someone who has it because i think the apprentice said something about pure of heart or whatever but i don't think he spelled out oh you have to face your darkness and turn away from it and then you can get into the box and so then he goes 
he just gets on it to do that and then her tear makes the dagger of the dark one apparently able to open the box rumple is great at finding these loopholes and so that must be a mm-hmm. loophole that he figured out well how did he figure it out i don't know it's like how did he figure out how to make the curse the dark curse in the first place <laughs> how did he know that it didn't require someone who had never faced darkness in themselves at all that whole thing reminded me of the once upon a time in wonderland scene where um anastasia needs Alice, it's like the one with the cliff where she falls and she has to face her her inner darkness, basically. Best thing ever. So that she can get the magic that they need. So that's kind of maybe just pure of heart is defined somewhere in some magic book as someone who has faced their inner darkness and turned away. Maybe it's common maybe. knowledge that that's what that means. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe they just go, do you not know that if I were there and talking? By the way, that little crystal ball that Rumpel was using in this episode, and he had also used previously in order to be able to see Anna coming, is the same crystal ball that Neil used in order to find out where Emma was. You know, that whole blood magic thing from a season ago. Hmm. Well, that's good continuity. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, we just didn't see the secret area. We did see, though, the puppet parents in the background. As well as some of the other things that we're familiar with, props in Rumpel's Hall. With this thing that the hat has to charge, and it charges by absorbing the magic of others. We guess. Well, that's basically what they said. Mm. It makes me wonder if this is Rumpel's new mission to steal magic from everyone else. Greg and Tamara were destroying magic because they saw it as unholy. Rumple is wanting to steal it all, maybe, so that, not so that he can have magic, he's, he's not stealing abilities, he is absorbing it into the hat, charging it up so that he can free himself. Who's he going to go after? Regina? Emma? For what? Like, is he trying to free himself from the curse of being the dark one? Because otherwise, who cares? Like, there's no adversity in his life anymore. He's not looking for his kid. What, what is his motivation now? I think he wants to free himself from the control while still maintaining the magic. That motivation, which he shared there with Anna at the apprentice's house, I don't think that motivation has changed. I think that now that looking back a couple episodes when he discovered the box in that mansion while he and Belle were having their honeymoon, I think that was what he suddenly realized is, ah, I can have everything. (laughs) But if he takes magic away from everybody that has it to get his goal, what's the point in him even having it? Like, what's he? I, I don't know. I guess like he'll be the only one. Well, it's like he's not just taking the magic away. He took the person. So what, is he going to get Emma and Regina and Blue Fairy? Unless it's something like the apprentice was sucked in because the apprentice was kept so old by magic that he is basically completely magic at this point. But maybe if he used the hat on someone else, it would just take their magic away from them. Maybe. Yeah, take everyone's magic away, they'll cross the border, and they'll go live happily ever after in New York City. I'm sure they'll be happy with that. And then he can be the mayor of Storybrooke. There you go. (laughs) 
Well, look at this on a positive side, possibly for him, is he is a danger to Bell, not of himself, but by the fact that someone else could control him and cause him to harm Bell. And that might be something he's thinking about is, I don't want this to be a problem, but I'm not willing to let go of this magic. As he does. Right. (laughs) So... The trail of the box. We know where it ends up. It's kind of like Anna. (laughs) We know where it was in the past. We know, well, unlike Anna, we know where it is in the present. It's (laughs) like Elsa. Right. But we don't really know what happened in between. We know it went to Arendelle at some point. Yeah. And then what happened? Well, same thing with Anna, because she Mm -hmm. and the box went to Arendelle. And maybe she got married. Maybe she gave the box to Elsa and Elsa decided what to do with it. Where does the urn fit into all of this? And then the urn ended up back with Rumpel. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a trail here, several trails to follow of people and things. What is the honeymoon house? Whose house is that? Other than the best house in town, yet unclaimed and discoverable by a walk in the woods. I do wonder if the sorcerer still lives, because where is he? They never said the sorcerer is dead. No, they did not. And if the apprentice was around that whole time. Maybe Emma's going to end up in that house. Because she mentioned three times in this episode that she needs to get her own place. And if that is unclaimed, logic might have it that she (laughs) might end up there. And then we will be able to find out more about whose house it was and kind of what, where it's from. If, if we think that's important, that's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. I've got a note here from Jacqueline saying, Sven is the most glorious creature in the universe. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Jacqueline. He was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> glorious. <laughs> yeah, Sven is great. This, this episode, I think, had a lot of well-orchestrated comedic moments. Mm-hmm. Sven, yes, is kind of a given. Any scene with him is going to be comedic. But some of the other things, too, like happen in Storybrooke and some of the stuff in the past and just the irony of things like getting to see the apprentice turned into a mouse and all of that great <laughs> stuff. Before we move on to talking about Storybrooke, I want to thank some people. That is you and other people like you. Thank you very much for the kind donations to support One's podcast. David Newland, Marianne Lavati, Bridget J, Amanda Robar, and our new uh, Patreon backer, Fabio Fiss. I guess he was inspired by my long flowing locks of hair. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for your kind donations to One's podcast. It really helps because it does cost a lot to keep the podcast running, the forums running, hosting all the media and everything that we do here. We really appreciate every bit of support you can provide. And on Patreon, that brings us up to nine backers. That's nine people per episode. You can donate as little as 25 cents per episode, or you could donate more than that per episode. So you can donate per episode. You can sponsor a few specific episodes with a one-time donation or give an automatic monthly donation. And you can do any amount of all of these. Go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor if you'd like to consider supporting us and we would really appreciate it but even if you can't that's fine we still want you to be part of this community and we're still going to be providing the podcast for free because we love to do this so thank you david marianne bridget 
Amanda, and Fabio for your kind donations. We really appreciate it. If you want to be one of these awesome donors, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Thank you. Now let's talk about Storybrooke. This scene, the first scene that we see in Storybrooke, Hook throwing the darts against the dartboard. You know the last time we've seen a love-stricken person throwing darts at the dartboard? Graham. Yes. In the episode, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, it started out with him throwing darts at a dartboard. Again, he got right on the bullseye, and Emma came in. But Graham was a bit on the (laughs) other side of things then, and even threw a dart almost at Emma. Nah, he wouldn't hit her. So I guess she's got a type. <laughs> Except. Yes, reformed like... bad boys who throw darts. Did Neil ever play darts? I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. But he's a reformed bad boy either way, so. And just as long as he's not thinking he's got a bad hand. I uh, love that Emma asked Hook out, and I loved that Henry was like her wingman. <laughs> 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 Go. He like gave her a little push and everything. It looked like it was first thing in the morning, and he's just, like, there playing darts. Well, where does Hook live? Maybe he's been sleeping on the dock regularly. Yeah. (laughs) Because I thought of that, too. When we saw him sleeping on the dock later, I realized, yeah, where does he live? So, what, he's homeless, too? He's a homeless guy that walks around with one hand and dressed like a pirate. Yeah. Well, it is Storybrooke, though. Like, everybody knows who he is. It's not like they're going to be... So Afraid of him. Emma asks him out and he's like, man, I need to get myself together. I, I need either like a house or a hand. I think the hand is <laughs> more doable. I really and need some my own clothes. Place. <laughs> right. I really need my own place. I didn't even notice that he was dressed normally until he said that he was dressed normally. Because still with normal. the dark and the leather and... Mm-hmm. I think we're maybe a little bit distracted by all of the parenting going on, which was <laughs> hilarious to see how it was pretty funny. Mary Margaret and David were doing that. And also when they came back, I think just perfect. This episode actually took place in the 80s. Um, there was <laughs> a Polaroid did. camera. There was the cordless phone bell called on from the library later. And Emma's hair. Oh, yeah. With the big antenna. Yeah, 80s hair. <laughs> I said Emma's hair. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. I don't yeah. know if that was 80s, but it wasn't Emma. That's Might have been 90s. It's the Maybe. way she looked in Portland. Mm-hmm. Very similar, except without the glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, She that's was just true. referencing the only dating she's ever really known. I, I felt like she actually looked awkward for Emma. She looked... She didn't look in character. She looked like a girl who missed her childhood <laughs> and her youth. <laughs> But that was just the corset. Where was the rest of the dress? <laughs> yes, that's the woman in the nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> when Hook got his hand back from Rumpel, and now like knowing the whole episode, it made me wonder, was Rumpel planning this and setting Hook up from the beginning? And what was he setting up Hook for? One of two things, I think. One is to get in this situation where Hook would owe Rumpel or the other thing, maybe Rumpel wanted to bring Hook down or basically inspire him to do these things. But why? Ruin his reputation. I, I don't know. Maybe just to make it so that if Hook were to say, hey, that's not the real Dark mm-hmm. One's dagger, then Rumpel would say, you're going to believe this man who's been lying to you for the mm-hmm. past weeks about yeah. all of these things? Yeah, he needed a scapegoat, right? 
I don't think anybody could have predicted that he was going to suddenly, after all this time, think, hey, maybe I could have a hand back. The whole thing, that was all a little awkward, I think. But Rumpel can see into the future, so he would know. Now he was going to, I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't think so. Why not? Because he never seems to know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, there have been a lot of things post-curse that have surprised him. Mm-hmm. And even though he has foreseen certain things post-curse, the details have been fuzzy and Mm. a lot of things still surprise him. So I'm not so sure that he can see the future anymore. When the hand was reattached, did you like the the special effects and the way they did it? (laughs) Like just It was sort of focus on the hand in the jar. Don't show the hand in the jar and have Rumpel make a motion. Then cut (laughs) to the wet hand on hook. So they, they cost them water. The hand is quicker than well, the eye. Well, maybe that hat is very expensive for them to do. And, <laughs> maybe it is. They were like... Or maybe there's going to be a dragon next episode that they had to save their budget for. They were like, guys, you want us to open the box like three times in this episode. We can't do a hand reattachment too. You're going to have to choose. And they had to turn a guy into a rat. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, as soon as Hook walked in and started talking about the hand, I realized, why didn't we think of this before because after all rumple did reattach dr whale's arm after mm. it was ripped off by frankenstein daniel true well who would have thought that he would have the hand that was a fresh wound <laughs> fresh wound <laughs> yes <laughs> well there must be a reason why he kept the arm the hand for however many years it's been right i guess it would have been fun if we'd seen it on a shelf at some point though well maybe we have <laughs> maybe we haven't been looking for it and everybody was like is that is that David Tennant's hand? <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline wanted me to point out that Emma's lie detector didn't go off when Hook explained how he got the hand. But that's understandable because Emma was getting emotionally involved. And when her emotions flare up, that's when her ability goes down. Well, plus I've decided it works with an incantation. She has to say superpower. And then... In order for it to work, because the only time she uses it, she has to reference the superpower. Hmm. It's like if the Power Rangers don't say go, go Power Rangers, they don't Mm -hmm. have any power. Exactly. Or the Care Bear Countdown for the Care Bear Stare. (laughs) And the Wonder Twins. (laughs) And Kung Fu Fighters and poorly overdubbed movies. So if we were to look back through Emma's life, we would find when she doesn't want to admit that she has a superpower and she just wants to use it, we find her creating awkward sentences, maybe in a montage of working out ways to say superpower for no reason when she wants to know if someone's lying. Although in the pilot, she doesn't say superpower and Henry (laughs) confesses. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay, then maybe my theory is wrong. (laughs) Maybe it's a little (laughs) far-fetched. Hook and Emma's date was great. There's the obvious Lady and the Tramp reference when we first see. And it made me wonder, are those two characters that are eating the spaghetti there, are they supposed to actually represent Lady and the Tramp? Or is this just a nod? Now, we'll have embedded in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 163, the full scene from Lady and the Tramp in nice high definition. And you can see it and hear them singing, this is the night and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll let you And you can that. make a comparison between the animated dogs and those people. <laughs> Almost. The people. Tony. They, um, what? Lady and the Tramp uh-huh. ate at Tony's. Oh. And Tony was dressed in a pink shirt 
mm. a, a dark vest mm-hmm. and a little kind of tie thing, mm. the same colors as the waiters here at this restaurant. And the waiter that sat Emma and Hook and then later spilled the wine when mm. Will tried to escape, that waiter looks a lot like Tony from Lady and the Tramp. I think it's foreshadowing for the story arc from season nine, part B. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. So there are two aspects of this. One is Lady and the Tramp was that couple that we saw eating the spaghetti and then, you know, the kiss there just like from Lady and the Tramp. The other thing is look at Hook and Emma and Emma is like the lady and Hook is like the tramp. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if you sleep it on the dock. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So multiple levels of tying in with Lady and the Tramp. Definitely go to the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 163, and you can rewatch that scene in beautiful high definition Mm. from (laughs) Disney's Lady and the Tramp, and you'll see all of the similarities. A couple of things in the scene also reminded me of the pilot. Not only the scene, but there's the part where Emma steps in the puddle outside her car, which also happened in the pilot, and then she's on a date and wine gets spilled on her dress. She just can't catch a break. Yeah. That happened in the pilot as well. At least Hook didn't turn into a monkey and fly away. I was going to say, you (laughs) know, a womanizer, but hey, wait, he is. Never mind. (laughs) Or used to be. The thing is, he is changing. This episode... Remember who she was at dinner with in the pilot? Yeah, the guy who left Bail Bondsman. Mm -hmm. Bail Bonds person. This episode really, and, and the forum is talking about this too, this episode is exploring, and this whole season so far, is exploring the dark sides of a lot of people in Once Upon a Time, except for, ironically, Regina. It's more exploring her lighter side. Oh, yes. And more casual clothing. (laughs) Right. Hook is struggling with his dark side. Rumple is going back to his dark side. We're seeing... It's a lot of sides, really. Yeah. Yeah. Will is back to his dark side. Yes. He has forgotten everything that he learned. We love that. Stealth and why would he be drinking at that bar in particular? Don't we love character regression? (laughs) I was happy to see Will again, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, yes, it is McCutcheon whiskey that he's drinking, of course. Yes. They've got the one bottle. I'm assuming that's a lost reference. It is. And uh, many times once reference. Yeah. And also the voice on the radio, Mm. one of the writers of Lost, that they've done that quite frequently. Usually it's Damon Lindelof is doing the announcer voice on the radio in Once Upon a Time. Realize that. And I'm pretty sure you even mentioned it in the initial reaction. But Will stole this book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and ripped out that page of the Red Queen. He was like, this is a terrible picture. They just can't get her nose right. <laughs> I had a an all caps lock reaction to that scene. <laughs> I've never heard it described that way, but I think I know exactly. What well, you mean. because I'm assuming what Daniel read earlier from Jacqueline was an all caps lock. Oh yeah, but that scene obviously is left for us to be. We we don't know what's happening, but I'm wondering if he was somehow cursed with them, and that's how he ended up back in Storybrooke because he is from the Enchanted Forest. But then so is Anastasia, and it's like, does he have a memory? We don't know. Does he actually know what he was looking at in that book? I think oh. so. That's what I want to know. I think that he is probably maybe trying to find a way back to Anastasia. I wonder if. 
kind of like you're mentioning, Aaron, if maybe this last curse took him accidentally because he was in the enchanted forest instead of being with, well, no, that couldn't work. No, he could have been like, they have the rabbit, right? No, because when, when Regina broke Pan's curse and everyone was sent back to the enchanted forest, travel between the worlds was broken until the new curse was brought. That's when travel between the worlds opened up again. So uh, it could still be possible that he was in the Enchanted Forest before Regina stopped Pan's curse. And then he ended up trapped there. And then he was taken by another curse and trapped in Storybrooke. That's one way he could have gotten here. I don't like it. So maybe he's just looking for a way to get back. Bunnies. Or maybe he is mourning his loss of Anastasia. Better not be. We'll find out, I think. Yeah, I guess nobody nobody in Storybrooke knows anything from Wonderland. Right. Like any of the stuff that we know from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, nobody knows that. Except for, I guess, parts Robin Hood kind of knows. But that's possible. I don't know. It just, his reaction when Emma showed him the book and the picture, it seemed like, yeah, he definitely could have known. And he was hiding, like trying to hide it. Or it could have been the same reaction Emma had when the Snow Queen said her name. It's that like, oh, I know that I should remember this. And it's like a tender thing, but I don't exactly, I can't place this emotion. So I don't know. I hope he remembers, but I want to know. I want to know the rest of that story right now. We'll get it. Yeah, eventually. (laughs) Eventually, but he might not be contained to this half of the season. No, he could be. We could find out in, what was it, 9 point B? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> the music in the background when Emma held up the book, the music was a little nod to Once Upon a Time in Wonderland TV show, too, because Mark Isham wrote the music for both Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So it was very easy for him to just borrow a little bit of a theme from the other one. But I don't think it was Will and Anastasia's theme, was it? No, it wasn't. It was more like the theme for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah, Closer to it. I'm still bummed that they have not come out with a soundtrack because that that theme was my favorite score of all time. Well, yeah, they haven't come out with a soundtrack for season three either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe some of these things just aren't paying out very well. Yeah, potentially. Especially if they don't allow other countries to buy and download and buy and have shipped to them. It's not going to be profitable for them. Right. <laughs> Says the Canadian. <laughs> When it comes to Henry and Regina working together on Operation Mongoose, in the forums, Jacqueline has reported that, yeah, it's a sweet scene, but a lot of people are getting frustrated because it's like they've forgotten what the storybook actually is. It's not a telling of the future. It's a telling of the past, things that have already happened And as Jacqueline points out, the book didn't make Regina a villain. Her actions did. Right. I don't think they're going to give us, maybe not necessarily, this perspective that the book determines your fate and that you have no free will. Someone else wrote it for you. I don't think they'll go that route with the I hope not. Regina could be assuming that the book was written prior to the curse, because otherwise, how was it created during the curse when everyone forgot? So in that case, then it would have been foretelling a little bit. 
Because it knew right up until the moment Emma landed in story in uh, in our world, right? Right. Because that's what August took out of it. I think he took from it a page. I think he showed her a picture of back in Enchanted Forest, not Storybrooke. Right. But it had her name in it. Yes. Yeah. So I think the book goes only up until the curse and not any time after that. Maybe the book is a result of the curse. Like you create the curse, you create you this book. You get a history book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Along with apparently a whole bunch of census records because mm. their curses yeah. are very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then the author of the book is not a thing. I mean, it's not a person. It's like, yeah. Unless... It's the person from whom Rumpelstiltskin got the recipe for the Dark Curse. Hmm. Maybe... Stole it from the wizard while he was trying to get the hat. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's something that that wizard or sorcerer, maybe it's the sorcerer, is the one that wrote the book. And he put into this curse, this recipe, that this was something that came out of it. And so to find the actual author... Of the book. Yeah, they're going to discover it through Rumple because Rumple is the one who created the curse, but maybe he's not the one who came up with the recipe. So Rumple may know who the author is, and because Rumple mixed everything together, he is kind of outside of the rules of the book a little bit, if there are rules of the book. All right, everyone. I want to see your best Photoshop jobs. Start putting that hat on everyone in the show. <laughs> Let's see who looks good in it because that's probably the wizard. Can you see Blue Fairy in that hat? Mm, (laughs) Maybe? I don't know. I think it's the wrong shade of blue. It's the wrong shade of galaxy. Yeah, it's purpley. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is purpley. (laughs) The the vault scene with Emma and Henry when they're kind of like, when Henry's wondering what's going to cure Marion made me think all they need is, you know, bottled true love if they can't get the real thing. They just need a bottle of it, which we've seen Rumpel use a bottle of true love, you know, as the safeguard of the curse. He Um, kept some for a rainy day. For a rainy day. (laughs) And it was storming. But it made me think of, there's this sci-fi version of Alice uh, in Wonderland. It's just called Alice. So it has like Katerina Scorsoni and Kathy Bates and... Andrew Lee Potts in it. And it's there. I I can't remember specifically, but they basically, they call the humans, the oysters from the fairy tale and they bottle their emotions. So they get humans to come into wonderland and then they make them scared or make them happy or whatever the various emotions are. And then they bottle them. And it's kind of like their black market trade of these bottled emotions that affect the characters in Wonderland kind of like drugs. So it's, um, we, we've seen that happen. And once they like Rumpel's bottled tears, he's bottled love. So I feel like that would be the, the easiest solution is just grab some hair from Mary Margaret and David and dump it on her heart or something. <laughs> <laughs> In no way is that a serious theory, but... (laughs) Uh, It's kind of the way the show works, though, right? Yeah, you never know. (laughs) So why is Snow Queen following Emma? Or is Snow Queen wanting Emma to follow her snail trail? (laughs) Well, first of all, running on ice, Emma, probably not a good idea. She does faceplant quite frequently on her own accord. (laughs) We probably don't need to add ice. 
But um, apparently some witches you drop houses on, some you throw buckets of water on, and others you just sprinkle a little bit of salt. <laughs> but I'm bummed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought that she wanted Emma to follow her so that she could like have some, you know, heart to heart conversation. Yeah. And then she disappeared. So maybe she's just still plant like making Emma curious enough to want a conversation with her or. There's some emotional, maybe motherly relationship here. And motherly. Snow Queen just can't help herself. Does Emma not have... Oh, I was thinking of someone else. I was going to say enough mothers, but I guess that's Henry. <laughs> I think it goes back to kind of the last episode where Snow Queen recognized Emma and there was some sound of emotional pain in Snow Queen's voice. And maybe Snow Queen just can't help herself. She has to see Emma. She really wants to make sure Emma is okay, but she doesn't want to be found out. And so she's not leading Emma somewhere. It's just she was caught and then she tried to run away, but she also wanted to make sure Emma was okay. I think the connection will be something different than we may expect. And maybe Hunter and Jacqueline know what it is when they share their spoilers after we finish talking about this episode later. So make sure if you want to hear spoilers for upcoming episodes, make sure you stick around for after the music and then you can hear those. And Hunter and Jacqueline do a great job of sharing those. See, I don't want to hear spoilers. I just want to know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a spoiler, though. (laughs) I know. I just want them to tell me now in the proper way. And in case you don't know... Uh, We haven't really defined what a spoiler is for a while. We define a spoiler as anything known about a future episode. (laughs) Anything we know about the show is a spoiler. That includes episode titles. So we try to stay away from episode titles as much as possible. But I don't. That's the one spoiler that I like. That's my spoiler vice. Anything we know about future episodes. That doesn't mean you can't hypothesize. And that's certainly what we do. But... So if there's something out there that you're saying, oh, your theory is so dumb, didn't you see this promo photo or didn't you watch the promo after the episode? Well, we don't because we consider that a spoiler. Mm-hmm. So we try to stay spoiler free. It's because it brief. hasn't been revealed to us by the authors of the show yet. In right. the show itself. Yes. And if we did perchance stumble across said photo, we probably blocked and unfollowed the person that posted <laughs> it. <laughs> or tried to block it out of our memory. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless they're your mom, because then that's not nice. That's but... not nice. Then you just give her a stern talking to. I did. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, kids. <laughs> so Herc now owes Rumple for the rest of his life. Whatever. This is more than just a favor at some point. Hook is going to basically be Rumple's henchman, Min-min. maybe. Mm, I don't know. See, here's the thing. Everybody knows Rumple has magic. Everybody knows he can use it to manipulate things. Why doesn't Hook just say, hey, Rumple's trying to blackmail me with this thing. This is what actually happened. And that's the end. Well, yeah, I completely don't understand why Hook wouldn't just go straight to Emma and be like, hey, so my hand, let's talk. Yeah. What's the big deal? I mean, he didn't even do anything, really. I mean, what was he going to do? Stop him? I don't think I don't think Hook did anything. He went with him. He didn't even help. He like held him in a chair for a second. Like Rumple couldn't have managed that. 
He showed him a seat. I mean, Gold was beating people with his cane before he got magic back. Now he couldn't have held the apprentice in his chair. But I think, like, Gold set that up so that he could use it against Hook. I don't know that he actually needed it. Yeah, I just think it doesn't hold any weight. Well, it wouldn't if somebody would come clean about it, but nobody here likes to tell the truth. So I hope (laughs) this doesn't get dragged out because it's, uh... It, they're on thin ice with it, you might say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, you can only blackmail somebody for so long, I feel. Like, if Hook thought it was going to fly, that he could just every single day be like, I'm going to tell Belle, and he thought Rumple wasn't going to have a reaction to that, of course he's going to retaliate. He likes to be in control. Mm-hmm. So Hook, like, three times tried to use the same thing in, like, a 24-hour period. <laughs> So he should know that Rumpel's going to do something to him for uttering those threats. Jacqueline pointed out that there in Gold's shop, Rumpel said that Bell is the only light in his life. And that harkens back to the last episode of the first season when Rumpel said of love, a brief flicker of light amidst an, a notion of darkness. And his grandson is chopped liver. Yeah, but he's totally willing to kill the love interest of his son. Yes. <laughs> yeah, don't threaten each other's girlfriends. That's the lesson to learn. Oh, man. Such a complicated show. And yet so simple. <laughs> this is why you parent your children, people. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of bad parenting, who would let Henry work for Mr. Gold? Which, which of his mothers is that going to be okay with? Well, it is his grandfather. So he supposedly turned over a new leaf, but nobody can see, well, anything really. And yet, every time they come to him for help, he's still being the same old Mr. Gold. Yeah, true. He is the place to go. I do like that Henry's going undercover. He's thinking in, in bigger ways than he did when he was 10. I wonder how many things from uh, Fantasia we'll see Henry doing, kind of Mickey Mouse style. If maybe Henry will have a similar Sorcerer's Apprentice moment where Rumpel gives him some monotonous task. Like and then Henry starts, yeah, Henry starts learning some magic, getting into the back room where he's not supposed to be, oh. and using some magic, and we have Sorcerer's Apprentice all over again. Hmm. Although if they were mm-hmm. going to do that, this would be the best episode to do that in, because this episode was called The Apprentice. Maybe the next episode is going to be called The Sorceress. Sorcerer. Maybe, but it's not. Spoiler. It would have been cool if there was a little bit of time shifting and it actually turned out the puddle on, around Emma's car was the aftermath of something Henry did wrong. Hmm. Because extra water definitely reminded me of Fantasia. Yeah, water and ice. It's going to be a cold time. Sarah Fisher. I Means looked around. Nothing. Yeah. The most I could find was, yeah, there's a Wikipedia entry about a Sarah Fisher. Nothing really I could see that was... There was a Sarah in Lost, (laughs) but Elizabeth Mitchell did not play her. There's something, though, to this. Because in Once Upon a Time, they don't just willy-nilly pick names. There's some significance to names. Maybe it is literally like Fisher, Fisherman sort of thing. Maybe not. You look at things like Cinderella and Ashley, Cinder ash that kind of thing regina means queen mm-hmm. a lot of these names emma do have means me- emma. <laughs> a lot of these names do have meanings in many different languages and sarah fisher i just couldn't really find anything at the moment but the thing is 
when we learn the significance of the name, we'll probably go back and be like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense now. Yeah, Sarah Fisher was the animator for Disney's The Sorcerer's Apprentice, or I don't know, something weird like that. Or it's as our friends from Greetings from Storybrooke put it, uh, searching for Sarah Fisher could be the new plot point. I did the same. Like I kind of looked around and all I found was a Toronto born actress and a race car driver named Sarah Fisher. Pretty much. Same thing I found. But I mean, she was on Degrassi, the next generation. (laughs) Well, that's something. (laughs) You live here. It is. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, there wasn't. Which is disappointing. I like when there's kind of a hint with the name, like Neil Cassidy. There were so many theories on who Neil was before we knew he was Bay, based just on his name. So maybe she was a mer queen, and she was afflicted with this curse, and she accidentally froze all of her people solid in the water because we haven't seen Ariel in a while. Not that I'm bitter about characters who disappear into storybrook which is bigger than you think well ariel remember is with prince eric oh okay. real ariel <laughs> oh wait not in storybrook right or in storybrook. that was that was I've fake ariel. Track. <laughs> ariel is somewhere else some other land with her prince i thought that the, was in storybrook the ariel no that oh, was they left yeah, yeah i remember now the ariel we saw was zelena the whole time that's right at least in our timeline, that was. <laughs> Since you guys brought up Ariel, <laughs> the only thing, and it still doesn't really work with this theory, but the way that the Snow Queen came out of the urn and the way that Elsa came out of the urn, the kind of CGI effect looked very similar to Ursula, if I recall correctly. Like kind of the weird plop that morphed into a kind of a being. <laughs> was that similar? I meant to point that out in an earlier episode, but we weren't talking about Ariel then. <laughs> That's the only thing I got about that. The times that we've seen Ursula, she was a statue. Didn't she appear in Regina's mirror? Yeah, it was as a statue. It was, it was the statue. It was the statue. Regina was looking at the statue. You could see the stairway and such uh, be, by the statue. And I am probably thinking of something else and just confused. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some research into that name, though. We'd love to hear your comments on the name as we try and figure this out. And in the chat room, they're pointing out things like Sarah means princess and look at characters from the Bible, uh, which they've borrowed certain ideas from the Bible, like uh, David. We predicted his name was David based on several things biblically mm-hmm. related, like David and Goliath, the sort of thing. But um, Sarah in the Bible, Abraham's wife, or formerly called Sarai. And I just can't really see things there that tie this together yet, at least. But hindsight, you know, like the whole August W. Booth thing or like Dr. Whale and James Whale thing, all of that. It'll make sense at some point. I'm sure they've got something up their sleeve of how this is tied together. But we'd love to hear from you, especially what you think of this episode as a whole. This is our conclusion to the conversation about the episode, The Apprentice. So continue the conversation by going over to oncepodcast.com slash forums, or you can comment on the stuff that we shared in this episode of the podcast by going to oncepodcast.com slash 163, as well as getting those links and the videos that we mentioned that will be there in the show notes. We'd love to connect with you in multiple ways through the website, like through the forums, and also 
subscribe to the podcast so you receive it automatically for free every time we have a new episode. And big thanks to Jason J for writing a review for us on Stitcher. Yeah, thank you for reviewing us on Stitcher. It's possible at oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher if you use that or oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Those reviews really encourage us and they help other people find the podcast too. So please consider writing a review for us, an honest review, and we'd really appreciate that. You can connect with us on Twitter at Once Podcast and each of us individually on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Remember to stick around for spoilers in just a little bit. And until next time, remember, blackmail brings out the romantic in you. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and help keep the podcast going and help us cover the big expenses it takes to run the podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor for an automatic monthly donation, a one-time donation of any amount, or you can sponsor per episode. All the options are over there at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. Episode 405, Breaking Glass. Regina reluctantly teams up with Emma in search for the Snow Queen after Sydney, who is once again Regina's prisoner in the mirror, discovers her whereabouts and agrees to lead her to the location. With Belle babysitting Neil, a nervous Mary Margaret and David prepare for their first date night away from their child and find themselves on a mission to track down Will Scarlet who has escaped from the town jail, and Elsa sees Anna in Storybrooke Woods. Meanwhile, back in the past, young Emma finds herself a kindred spirit when she befriends a girl who, like her, is a runaway orphan. So we do have some guest stars. Esposito. Uh, Giancarlo. Yes. (laughs) Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. I I don't know why I didn't put that part in there. But he's back as Sydney. We've got Oliver Rice as King Arendelle. Pascal Hutton as Queen Arendelle, Nicole Munoz as Lily, Barclay Hope as Lily's father, Kelly Roof Mercier as manager, Anson Hibbert as policeman, Elias Webb as Kevin, Abby Rose as young Emma. This one is written by Kalinda Vasquez and Scott Nimfro. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. <laughs> and directed by Alaric Riley. The girl that's playing Lily. Um, there was some theories that maybe she might be the Snow Queen in disguise because we know that Emma and the Snow Queen have got some sort of history. But the girl actually looks the exact opposite of Elizabeth Mitchell. So, mm-hmm. I, but I don't know. There's something suspicious about somebody who's claiming to be an orphan, but we also have her dad appearing. Yeah. So I'm thinking there's something fishy about this yeah there has to be i mean yeah and it wasn't just like emma befriended anyone growing up it seems someone like. who's just like her right
So for her to suddenly have someone who's just like her, little suspicious. Yeah. But we did see the promo that did air after the episode. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks to me like it's a Halloween-type episode. I know they're calling it sort of that, but it was, like, very freaky-ish. Yeah, that's what I think they're doing. There's, like, an ice warrior, and it looks like there's going to be kind of a magic battle. Yeah, that looks really cool. And... And yeah, you do see at one point um, Anna in the woods and she looks really ghost-like and Elsa's kind of freaking out. And then the Snow Queen says that she's going to build a snowman. Yes. Out of Elsa parts. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like the Snow Queen did capture Elsa in some sort of snow ice chains. And was she kneeling or was it like a quicksand snow thing? I don't know. It was very fast. That's what I thought was like quicksand made out of snow because it looks like Elsa is sinking. Yes. And the one thing I always thought was watching it a couple times, is that really Anna in the woods or is it like just a ghostly figure? I don't think it's really her. Yeah, I think it's something that the Snow Queen is putting out there so that way to get her to the woods. That's what I think. Yeah. We did. We were lucky enough to get a Canadian promo and... It didn't really show that much. Right. Like, usually it shows a completely different side of the episode, but this one didn't really show anything. Yeah, this one's kind of being kept a little bit tighter, I think, Mm -hmm. because the promotional pictures that we got for this episode are just, like, one scene. It's all Regina, Emma, Elsa, and the Snow Queen. Yeah. And we know, obviously, there's other stuff going on because you've got the past, but then you've also got Snow and Charming and Will and Belle, who's babysitting Baby Snowflake. So, (laughs) yes, I I call him Baby Snowflake. Um, Okay. So they're keeping sort of, I think, something tight about this episode. Yeah. But the Canadian promo does show Elsa and Emma, and there's somehow there's pictures of Emma in the city records that Elsa finds, and Regina wants to know where the Snow Queen is. Yeah. And just to point out one thing from the American promo that I think might be coming back into play is that you see the Snow Queen at one point looking into a shattered mirror. Mm-hmm. And the idea of shattering and breaking keeps coming up in episode titles, and we'll talk more about this in a couple minutes. But I I think, and that obviously goes back to the Snow Queen mythology and her original story. So I think they're going to be playing with that. Yeah. Um, One thing I did really like in the photos, it's Regina walking around the woods with a little compact mirror. So I'm guessing that's Sydney. Yeah, that's also how they talk to Henry and Neverland. So he's he's nice and portable. He's portable. Yes. Like like come on, just, let's go for a walk. Yes, you you will now be inside this tiny little mirror and we're going to go for a walk. Yes. Great. So we did we did get that. We've see pictures of Emma and Regina in the woods together. Elsa's in a in like a winter cape now cuz cuz she I thought she could handle the cold, but I guess she can't. <laughs> it's a fabulous uh, cape, though. I will say. Oh, it's beautiful. I love beautiful. the color. Yeah. But the cold never bothered really her bright anyway, so why would she be in a cape? I but think anyway. she's having a fashionista moment. I want something else to wear. Emma and Elsa walking through the woods, and then you see the Snow Queen in the woods, and it looks like the Snow Queen versus Elsa in the woods. So we really did not get a lot from this, the photos. But 
Moving on, we did get some wonderful casting news. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. So for episode 410, they have cast Rebecca Wisicki. I probably really messed that up. I'm sorry. Um, But she is going to be playing Madame Faustina. Yes. And for those of you that don't know, she is on Devious Maids, if you watch the Lifetime show. She um, is the matron of the house where the first maid is killed. Oh, oh my. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the name kind of makes me think that she's some sort of seer or, like, gypsy almost. Yeah. And her name sounds kind of like Fantasia. So I'm wondering if she has a tie to that whole mythology. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But she does have some connection to the Snow Queen. And she'll appear in flashbacks as a fortune teller of sorts. Yeah. Uh, she what what I've did find out is she's not one hundred percent honest with her clients and concocts the fortune she offers the people who dare to trust her. She her ways of whimsy are only an act to cover up her devious intentions. There is a theory going around the forum right now that she might be once upon a time's take on the witch from the movie Brave. Okay. So yeah, we have that to look forward to. Yeah, and we've been putting this off for a while, but we've been seeing a lot of set photos for a lot of episodes that are coming up. So we thought we'd yeah. talk about a couple that we did see. I was trying to find these again, but I can't find them, so I think I know which ones they are, if you want to talk about those. Okay. So we're only going to tease episodes that are like two or three down the road. There's actually a lot more out there, and we keep them all... Over at the forums, if you're interested, you can go over there and find them. But I'm only going to talk about the ones for the episodes that are really just around the corner. The One of them is that we're going to be seeing a lot of Elsa and Belle together. They've got, I think, a little adventure coming up, the two of them, which is nice because we also know that Belle is getting her own episode in episode six. Yes. Um, and that's where we're going to meet her mother. So that'll be fun to see. And it's nice seeing Elsa with someone other than the Charming Clan. Yeah, and that'll be nice. Because Belle, outside of Rumpel, also doesn't have a whole lot of connections. And I, I like the idea of putting them together. Yeah. And then the other ep- um, episode photos, these are kind of big. So prepare yourself. But you will see the Snow Queen in, they've recreated, it looks like New York City. And she is standing on a street with a giant door that is blue and has a lot of carvings on it that look like the carvings from the urn. And it looks like it's sort of the 1980s. So. Oh, goody. It looks like the Snow Queen somehow got a door that led to our world. And I have no idea how. I don't know what that means. But. That's kind of big because, you know, we've always believed that there were no other ways here except for that wardrobe that Emma went through. Right. So I'm not quite sure how she got here. Is this the same door that we saw in the other set photos? Is the same what? There's other set photos for ones coming up and there's another door, but it's got a lot of that Arendelle. Yeah. Like, so it could be the portal. It could not be a portal. Who knows? Yep. And... Lastly, tonight, we have an episode title reveal. And you get to say this one. Oh, thanks. Um, So we got episode 410, which is called Shattered Sight. 
and it's written by Scott Nymphero and Say <laughs> yes. Chung. Okay, we practiced this for probably like 10 minutes this evening because we had no idea how to say his name. Um, but it's T-Z-E Chung. And he is brand new and he used to write for Cashmere Mafia, if you've mm-hmm. ever seen that show. I had never and heard of it. So, like I said earlier, I think I heard of it, but I never watched it. It has to do, again, with the idea of shattering or breaking. So we have Breaking Glass and uh, episode, an episode in the future, number eight, which is Smash the Mirror. And then you have Shattered Sight. So there's all this kind of idea about breaking and shattering. And in the original Snow Queen story, there's a mirror that actually breaks and little shards of glass get into people and make them see the worst in everybody. So I think they're going to be playing with this idea. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad they're taking stuff from the original story and not just Frozen. Yes. I like that too. Because you can only have so much Frozen. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for you this week. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, oncers. Oh.